This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Over a year ago, I, I got a text from a friend of mine who planted a church in Vancouver. One of my best friends and a guy I respect gratefully, and we were helping them plant with some, some coaching and some stuff. And he said, Mike, there's someone that needs to call you. They want your number, they know about you, but they don't know you, but you need to talk to them. I'm like, I don't know if I got time just to talk. He's like, you gotta understand, you need to talk to this couple. They're some of the best people I know and God's doing something in their heart for Halifax. And they live here, but will you talk to them? I said, okay, I'll do it. Scheduled this phone call and it's one of those calls that we in the church world call a divine appointment, which it was more than just something on my calendar, on my phone, it was set up by God. And, this guy, Kevin, introduced himself, and he started just talking about his life and passion. And, and I'm not going to share his story today, because he's going to. Him and his wife, Dawn, they have two kids, and two brilliant, remarkable, beautiful kids. And He said, I just got to tell you, Mike, I don't know even know why I'm calling you, but I feel like Halifax is on my heart and my wife's heart, and we can't shake it. I don't know if it's six years from now or six months from now, but I feel like God's drawing us to Halifax to do something that ties into our story, which you're gonna hear. I was like, awesome, let me know how I can help and just cheering you on. And I knew when I hung up that phone call, I have a friend now, I have a friend and there's this joining. You know what, only churches like that. You can meet someone for a minute and you're like, you're just, you know that you're joined. It's a beautiful thing. And even this was just over the phone. Well then it was like two weeks later, I get a text. Yeah, remember I said six years? Yeah, it's gonna be like three months. We're, we're, and they sold everything, everything. Businesses and, and houses and cars and, trains, planes, and automobiles, and they kept the dog, and they moved across the country from BC to Halifax, I believe in June, and they've been getting, putting their roots down, and uh, they believe God has done something in their life, a living hope that's brought freedom, but now God wants to use them to help our city, and I believe we live in a city that'll change our country. I believe in this city, and I believe this country can change the world, and we have a couple today. You're going to hear your chance you're going to hear how we can play a part in something that's going to change our city. Can we give a, a Nova Scotia, Nova Church, can we stand to our feet and give a welcome to Kevin and Don? Come on. Morning. Good morning. Yes, take a seat. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the big bright, amazing intro, um, Mike. I'm a pacer, so I'll be all over the stage just to set the tone here. This is my beautiful wife, Dawn. We're so glad to be part of this morning. So thank you for having us. Um, it, you guys have amazing leadership here, just for the record. Uh, we, we were talking with Mike. Mike mentioned that phone call I, I had with him, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking with Dawn about it. I'm like, man, this guy is absolutely amazing. And then we came here, and then we met Nance. Yep. And and then and I, I wish I could say it was amazing, but it was like way better than that. Is you? Uh, I, I've never told you this. I was like, we're like, man, she's even better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys are awesome, and we love you. So, uh, anyway, enough about that. We um, reason why we're here today is not to. We're just here to tell you a story and share our heart and what God's done in our life, and what we believe God wants to do, and. Uh, so here we go. 
Anyone, anyone like story time? Like stories? Okay, good. This is kind of like that. And, we, and don't, forgive us, we kind of go tandem. We go back and forth. We bounce off each other a little bit, and, and uh, it's pretty un, unpolished. So um, let's go back. How long have we been married now? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, cool, right? Um, <laughs> go back 20 years. I, uh, setting the tone. I was a young man. Young man, uh, uh, being 19, I was 20, I guess. Um, I, I met this beautiful woman on Halloween day. I saw her. I was a bread man at the time. I was delivering bread for Canada Bread. I had a bread truck and a bread route. A bread man, yeah. That's what they call that. Um, I was delivering bread in a mall. And I looked over, and I was, sh- I was, shelving, I was shelving the sandwiches, the sandwich bread in the thing. And, I, and I'm behind the counter in this mall food court. And I look over. And I see this beautiful cat. <laughs> this beautiful cat. It's just Halloween day. She's dressed up as a cat and she's buying a sandwich. And what, is, what does the cat say? Meow. Come on, better than that. That's what I was thinking. I was like, meow, hello. So here we are. I know. I, I, this is my best material. It's all I got. <laughs> So anyways, lo and behold, lo and behold, lo and behold, we ended up, we ended up connecting through the lady who ran the sandwich shop, and I met this beautiful lady, and we were, like, we talk about love at first sight. This is the way this story was unfolding, and I'll let you kind of go from there, so. Yeah, you hit that when you said divine appointment. I had a divine appointment, and it was, it was to marry this man, and, and we kind of knew it when our eyes locked. Uh, he was 19, I was 23. I'm not saying that y'all should, (laughs) I'll leave it there, but he proposed four weeks later, and we've been married 20 years. Everyone in our lives knew that it was meant to be. It was a God thing. We all knew it. I had um, grown up single mom. I'm originally from here. We'd moved um, all over the country for work and for life, Um, but I'm originally from here, and so I just, I had fallen away from the church and was living a life um, in bars and doing things that you do when you live that life and you fall away from the church. And so um, I had come back to the Lord recently. And uh, this beautiful woman named Joy had, had led me back to Jesus. And I'd recommitted my life to him and was on fire for Jesus and was praying for the man of my dreams, a godly man, to build a life with. And I knew that it was him. I knew that he was the answer to prayer. And I said to all the girls sitting at the lunch table, that boy over there, if he asks me out, you know I'm not dating anybody, but if he asks me out, I'm going to say yes. And I did, and we were engaged four weeks later. So I met this beautiful girl, and she's much more beautiful even now. Of course. Suck up, suck up. <laughs> and you know what? She had everything going for her. Like, to, on, to me, she had everything that I had been looking for in a woman. I grew up in the church, and I'd fallen away. I'd fallen away from all that stuff. I grew up, I went to Christian school. I went through the whole thing, but I didn't, I never really had a real relationship with Jesus. But I had ideals. I had Christian ideals. I, I, knew, that, I knew that there was a God. I knew, I knew he was real. But I never actually had an, ex, an actual transformation in my own heart. But... I knew that I, I knew that the life I was leading, I was I was into partying and I was smoking pot and into dabbling in drugs and this and that. And I knew that that wasn't the life for me. I knew that I wanted something more than that. And I thought, this is my ticket out. So, anyone who grows up in the church, they know how to speak. They know how to put on the God facade. That's what I call it. 
And uh, I think that's what, exactly what happened. Started going to Bible studies. We started to, uh, you know, we, I, wanted, I wanted to be what she wanted in a man. And uh, we had a Christian wedding. And everything was great until the week before the wedding. I had... Uh, I dabbled in a, I dabbled in a few drugs before this. I've dabbled in a bit of cocaine and a, a few few things, um, but I dropped all that for months when I met Don, and then I got introduced to crystal meth exactly a week before we got married. Now, it wasn't all doom and gloom right from from the start, but I didn't realize it at the time. But I was addicted from the very first time. Because what happens with addiction is it, is it gives you a promise, gives you a promise to make your life better, and then it takes that promise, it totally lies to you, and it steals everything that you had. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. So this man of my dreams um, was acting weird the week of the wedding, and he was, like I said, he had just turned 20, and we all chalked it up to cold feet. And we thought it would get better, but I knew uh, the wedding day that things were not right. I was reading my notes from the first time we actually shared together, and I forgot this tidbit. But Joy, this beautiful woman that brought me back to Jesus, she actually opened the door when I pulled up to the hall. And he had had two beers on the way to the reception and said to me, Who, what cop pulls over a, a limo on a wedding day full of pom-poms? And it, she looked at me, and I knew there was trouble. Like, what happened to the godly guy? Where did he go? And um, he was high on meth when he took his vows. And it was five in the morning that night when I finally got to go to sleep. And he was yelling at me for not staying up later. And we were actually flying here for our honeymoon and had to be on a flight at 10 a.m. And I just thought, what did I do? Like, wait, did I miss something, Lord? Like, prayed, answered prayer. What happened? And he was gone to us for a, a good long while. Um, didn't get better right after the wedding. Um, a bunch of friends actually cornered him at a campsite about three, three months after we got married. And, and he was running around the campground late at night. And they said, Kevin, are you high? And he went, yep. And that was it. The cat was out of the bag. And they, they cornered me at work that week and said, honey, you're married to a drug addict. And I said, Kevin, Bible study Kevin? Like, what are you talking about? And it just, it never dawned on me that that would be our story. It just, it, it just never occurred to me. And, and so began this whirlwind of rehabs and ups and downs um, and it just if any of you know anything of of addiction it escalates even when you think it's getting better it's not you just you spiral and and it just yeah got worse and worse so I did my first bit of rehab uh, early on in our marriage and I I lasted a week out of a 30-day program because I knew everything they taught me a whole bunch in a week and I was a young punk and oh I got this beginning of the journey in and out of treatment centers. It would steal my life. It would steal my, I lost my bread truck business. My, I lost my business. I lost my dignity. lost my looks. lost my finances. lost every worldly possession I could have, and, including my family. I lost, I lost my self-respect. Over a four-year span, I would go from a bright future young man who's walking into a beautiful marriage to a total waste. Life was a total waste. I was stealing like I couldn't, you, you couldn't keep anything nailed down without when I was around. I was, I was that guy. And 
Flash forward about three, four years into this, we decided we got, we got to get out of here. Don, had, Don was actually living up in up country in River John with her mom who lives here, and, and she, I was back in BC, and we had a conversation. She said, why don't, why don't, we, why don't we move move to Nova Scotia and let's try I something. I think I said, I think if you want to keep me in Taya, yeah, we're doing something this. Like that. <laughs> I think that's how it went down. You can follow us. We tried it your way. This is bad, Kevin. This isn't even safe. So yeah. So I I did that. I sold everything we had and, and everything else. We put in a we put in a moving truck, moved it here, and here I roll up uh, a week later into Tatamagush. <laughs> the Mecca of boring to me at the time. I, uh, I cleaned up in Tatamagush. I love to stay in Tatamagush, don't you? Let's <laughs> Rolls so nice. I lasted about two weeks there, two, three weeks. It wasn't very long. And uh, I remember I, I, the drugs had me so bad that uh, I remember I, very distinctly, I walked up, to, walked up into my, she was ticked at me for something. I'd picked up drugs from some local high school kid, and I walked up in the room, and I, I kissed them both, on, my wife and daughter, on the, on the forehead, and said, I got to go. And I hopped in my vehicle. Drove back to BC, where I would start the real struggle. And uh, first day back back out west, I got pulled over by the police, and it started this cycle of getting charges and promised to appear in court. Over a four-month span, I would rack up a whole bunch of whole bunch of unwanted charges and stuff like this, and it went. It escalated. It just went. It went soaring. My my addiction the way I would steal and all these things. I was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. And then one morning, I got pulled over for the last time. Pulled out of a condominium complex and a cop, the second I pulled onto the main road, I saw the, the cherries of the cop car go on and, and I knew. I knew it was the last time. I knew they were not letting me out. It was it. The gig was up. So I went, I went into a place, sorry, pre-trial. I had to face the music, as they say. They told me the extent of my behavior and what, what I was going to be facing, and I was going to be looking at prison time, five to seven years. Wasn't looking good. I was broken. I was hurt. I'd used every avenue of hope of, of anyone trusting in me ever again. And I was, I was done for. I was so broken. I remember just weeping in jail and trying to, I remember I called my wife and begging forgiveness, but here I was just shattered. Then I went into a church service in jail. Picked up a tiny little Gideon's Bible, about the quarter of the size of this one. I started to read it. I started to read God's promises. I started to read God's word. And I like not, not, not just read it. No, it is like every word. The Bible says every word of God proves true. It was all truth. All the lies that I've been fed, all the addiction, all the, all the stuff started to, started to break off. And I started to hear God's voice. God started calling me out of that dark place. And I'll never forget to this day. One, of the, one day, the guys went out to yard. I was, in, I was in jail for about a month, not long. But the guys went out to the yard, and I stayed back in my cell. And I just got, I got down on the side of my cell. And I just said, just put my hands up. God, 
This is not the life that you planned for me. I know this. I started praying, just praying this prayer, and I was pretty humble. To God, if you, if you get me out of this mess I'm in, I promise to serve you forever. It was just like that. I can tell you one thing. Something happened. Something radically happened in my heart. I was absolutely renewed. That addiction, all the rotten, broken stuff that would happen to me, and all the lies, all the cheating, all that stuff, all the stuff I was carrying, all the burden and shame, it was lifted out of me, and something happened. I was new. Because that's what, that's what Jesus does. He makes us new. I went to a courtroom a week later. My wife, for whatever reason or another, she'd been working behind the scenes for me, with me, or with a recovery center here in uh, the Halifax area to try and get me in there. And we pleaded with that judge. And uh, what happened is I got a whole whack of those charges dropped, and I flew to Nova Scotia the next day. That was my sentence to do a recovery. They sent me from Surrey, B.C. to do recovery at a farm, a little place called Hope Farm out in Stewiak, and I was supposed to spend a year there. That was my sentence. God's grace was all over me. That was a miracle in itself. Never been done. Judge says, get out of my court. I don't want to see you here again. And he sent me here. You got to try and picture my position. So this is a man who's kissed us on the forehead and left us six months prior. And so when that happened, something broke in me. Because you'll get to meet my daughter, Taya. She's amazing. And the thought that a dad could walk away from that beautiful creature broke something in me. Never mind me, but her. And so I hated him. But I took a vow. And I knew in my spirit that he was the man that I'd prayed for and that he was my answer and that in God's timing, he would make all things work together for good. And so, yeah, I was pleading with lawyers and family members and this rehab to get him sent here. And then he got here and I thought, oh, crap, now I'm stuck with him. (laughs) That's what I thought. After four years of hell on earth is what it was, just like he said, cheating and lying and thieving and um, not knowing where he was and him leaving us and me having to go on welfare to provide for our daughter because we were in Tatamagush where there's no work. And it was just, it was awful. It was all kinds of awful. And then he called that day that he received Jesus and I knew he was a new creation. He went from sniveling and pleading with me to stay with him to this confident man that knew that no matter what happened, we were going to be okay. He was going to be okay. And he had a countenance about him that I knew was Jesus Christ in him. And everything changed. He got here, and that's when my journey began. So he had this instantaneous healing from addiction, and that was 17 years ago, and he's never looked back. And I began this walk of learning how to fall in love again, um, learning how to forgive, because you can say it, but then you got to trust God to do the work in your heart, right? If anybody's forget, you can say, I forgive you, but that's just words, right? It takes time to trust again, to love again. And so it was probably six years of that, getting grounded in churches and getting to know people and getting to know him again and and know him as a godly man. And yeah, it was an amazing, hard season, but so worth it. So I just want to testify, God restored our life, our lives, our family. 
Uh, once again, we got two beautiful kids. I didn't say kids anymore. My daughter's 18. My son over there, he's 14. He's the guy waving. <laughs> Our marriage yeah. absolutely restored. And so we spent seven years here in Nova Scotia. I went to that farm. I loved it. I, I, I got out of there after my year. I started a new life, started to work, started, started businesses. We spent seven years here. And about nine years ago, I remember saying to my wife, I said, I think, I think we're supposed to move back to BC. And uh, we didn't really know why, um, but we, we kind of tossed up that idea and we went out for Christmas, prayed when we were out in BC that Christmas of 2010, and uh, we knew we were supposed to go back. We didn't know why we were going to go back until a few months later when uh, I, I got, we got, started getting connected at our church, Christian Life Assembly, and I remember my, my pastor at the time, he heard my story, a bit of my story at a men's breakfast, and he suggested to me that I go to his place called Recovery Church. And I remember thinking in my head, why on earth would I ever do that? Like, did you not hear me? I'm clean, I'm good, I'm sober, I'm, 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 I'm healed, I'm restored. I'm... Anyways, and I thought, I took it home and I was, I was like, well, I trust him. I trust him. I'm going to go check it out. So I, wa- I waltzed into Recovery Church, much like this in a gym, I walked in with all this pride and look at me, I've, I've figured everything out and I see all these, all these people who are struggling and, and hurting and, and can't figure their life out and look at me. And then worship started. All those people I was kind of looking down on, I see their arms go up like this and the worship starts and God starts convicting me and starts just hammering me Starts speaking into my life, and I just start weeping uncontrollably, uncontrollably, and, and God called me right on the spot, and I heard his voice as clear as day. You're not here for you. You're here for them. And then our journey started with Recovery Church. We never left. Don started coming alongside me. We grew into this role uh, of leading a church over the, over the course of a number of years. And, and that's where we've been serving and, and leading for the last eight or nine years. Um, uh, pastoring, preaching. God started using our testimony everywhere. And my, uh, I ended up being on a board of a, of, of, uh, a place called Wagner Hills, which is very similar to uh, what we're planning on doing here. It's a recovery center for men. Christian Recovery Center for Men, and my wife ended up being a director of the Women's Center there for three years. It's like everything recovery, everything, all those nightmares of that old life we didn't want anything to do with, it ended up being our greatest asset. All the stuff that we hated to talk about ended up being the very thing we loved to talk about, because Jesus did something amazing in our life, and he's going to continue to do that stuff. So here we are. Last year, God started speaking to both of us. Started speaking to us about doing something, doing something new. And I'd heard this voice before, and I knew this time it was different. We're gonna we're gonna roll a video. We are officially resigning from Recovery Church, and God is calling us to open up a recovery center in Nova Scotia.
right now we're sitting at the farm where I went through 16 years ago for recovery. This is a place where I was given a second chance. It's where I received healing, learned life skills and practical skills. I learned woodworking here. This is a place that gave me new hope and it was shut down shortly after I left here. That hurts my heart. It's where I got my husband back and I want other women to experience what I did 16 years ago. Pulling into this place and knowing that things were gonna be okay, that things were gonna be different. I want that at the helm. Because it's not just losing drugs, it's, it's gaining Jesus. There's no Christian discipleship programs for men in the province to see lives and families restored with God at their center, to break chains of addiction and put people back into society, actually giving them a real life. I just keep thinking about all the, all the women being that wife that was so scared and so hopeless and not wanting to raise my kid on my own. When I would sit and wrestle with God about it, I say, why? Why us? Why us? Well, it makes total sense. It makes total sense when you, when you look back from the big picture, you go, you spent a year in recovery there. You know what that looks like. You love the people. Seven years living there in different parts of the province. The helm is an acreage. An oceanic drive. It's warm and loving. Lots of amazing things to plug into, whether it's working with animals or on the ground. I would picture a wood shop, a worship area with windows facing out over a hill. It's community. It's a place that moms feel safe to bring their kids to visit dad on the weekends. A year-long program where we can give people counseling, life skills, pastoral care, get people connected in the local church. I was looking in my journal from five years ago. I wrote down very specifically, God, if you want us to go back and open up a recovery center in Nova Scotia, I am willing. My hope for you, for me, is that when we get to go and meet and be at the foot of Jesus, there's only six words that I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's the only thing I want to hear. So that is the helm. Um, that, is, that is our vision for what we believe God wants to do here in, in Halifax and beyond. And uh, the reason we're here today isn't, is, is really simple, just to share our hearts. Because what happened was, I shared with you before, God took our worst nightmare and to turn it into one of our, our biggest assets, one of, our, one of our greatest, our greatest things in our life now is actually helping people. We love people pulled us right out of pulled us right out of ourselves most days i'm going to share i'm going to share a bit i hope i hope our testimony encouraged you i'm just going to share a little bit more just a little word because i got i believe god wants to do something more than just more than just our story maybe there's parts of our story that rang true to you maybe there's maybe there's Maybe there's um, p 
people in here who, who don't yet know Jesus, <clears throat> I'd love to chat with you after. Maybe there's people here who do and feel God pulling them to something deeper in relationship. And uh, so my life was out of control. You ever notice, uh, you ever, ever been in, in a place where you feel like your life is out of control? The truth is it was actually in control. It just wasn't under my control. Mike shared earlier um, about how he looked in the mirror and he realized that he wasn't his own. He was, he's been bought and paid for with a price. Anyone, anyone own a home? Anyone own a home? You ever look at your mortgage documents? Pretty boring, but if you ever look at your mortgage documents, there's, there's, there's one thing that's different than your name on the title. It's also the one who actually paid for it. The mortgage, the mortgage was paid. Our debt was paid by Jesus. Our life is not our own. It's a, it's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing to quite grasp, but I'm going to read out of Ephesians 2.10, and it says, and I brought my Bible because I was so inspired by Mike last week, and he said, you know, I want to make sure I bring my Bible when I preach, and I did that, but I'm going to read it out of here because it's easier. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. So that we can do the good things. Someone say good things. So we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. I don't know about you, but I want to do, I want to do some good things. Anyone else want to do good things? Yeah, that's good. It's not always easy, right? God calls us. I don't know what you're being called to today, but I know God's probably calling somebody in this place. Maybe there's something real simple. Maybe it's something real hard. Where's the greatest call in history? In Matthew 26, 39, Jesus is being called to do something. You know what he's being called to do? He's being called to take on the greatest debt the world has ever seen. Went on a little further. Jesus went on a little further, bowed his face to the ground, praying... My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, these are those words, I want your will to be done, not mine. If you can let those words sink in. This is Jesus. I want your will to be done, not mine. Those are words many of us don't like to we say them, but executing them is a lot tougher, right? My story, when God started calling me, I can tell you what happened. God started calling me and saying, Kevin, remember that recovery center I, I reminded you of? Remember, remember my journal five years ago? I wrote it down. If you, if, if, if you say to go, I'll go. You want me to start a recovery center in Nova Scotia? I'll go. Real nice to write on paper. Not so easy to do. Here's what I did. Kevin, I want you to do something. I'm hearing God's voice loud and clear. I sit in my, I would go to the, my church every morning at about 5, 5, 5.15 a.m., way before Mike gets up. And way before, Mike is, anyway, not 5.15. God started speaking and, Kevin, remember that recovery center. I want you to go. I want you to go. And here's what I say. You know what I say? All right, let's do this. No. No, here's what I say. What about, but, 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 but what about, but what about my business? What about my friends? But what about my, my, my family? What about my, my, my job? What about my succession of the, com- the family business? 
But what about where will the money come? But, 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 but. Such, such wrong, wrong thinking. When the Almighty calls you to do something, I believe that God wants us to kick our butts today. Turn to the person beside you and say, I need to kick my butt. <laughs> that was my second best material. That's all I got. For real, for real. There's a movie called Heat. I'm not recommending you go rent it right now, okay? But there's something, there's a line in it. It's a tagline of the movie. It says, don't let yourself get attached to anything you're not willing to walk away, walked out on in 30 seconds when you feel the heat around the corner. I want to ask you today, what is it that you're holding on to that's getting in the way of God's call in your life? What is it? Because I know, I know God's calling you. He, didn't, he, he created us to do good things, and he calls us to do challenging things. What is it, what is it in your own life that, you, that is right there, probably, probably right there, probably is part of your identity even. It's, it's got you entwined so deeply that you want to say, but, but God, but God. What is it? I believe God wants to shake that off today. He wants to move that off today. If we're being honest today, who's calling the shots? Are we saying, my will be done? Are we saying your will be done? Because we're in a self-serve world. I'm much e- it's much easier for me to self-serve, right? Anyone second that motion? Right? The greatest things in this world have a cost. They all have a cost. And they're the best ones, the ones that cost the most, the best. Isn't that kind of the rule of thumb? It's a high price, it's usually good. Is it your will be done, not mine, or is it my will be done? I'm going to wrap up right now with this. What are you going to do about it today? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that thing in your life? That's right there. What are you going to do about that thing that maybe hinders you from changing your community, changing your family, changing your workplace, changing your country? What are you going to do? Are you going to kick that butt out of, out of, there, out of your life? Because I'll tell you what he did to me. He turned my I don't want to's to I can't wait's. He flipped my, I can't do this to show me how, God. Flip my, I am weak to you are strong. So it doesn't matter how weak I am. I have no idea where the money's coming from. But I got a really rich father. This is my favorite one. And many people, I've had many people come to me, and it hurts me when I hear people say, we're, do, we're doing something. We're, not everyone's going to up and uproot their family and move across the country and start a recovery center. It would be really interesting if everyone did that. But for people say, oh, I could never do that. 
I could read into that. I won't do that. Because that's what people are saying. I could never do that. When you're, when you're answering God's call, someone's saying, I could never do that means I won't do that. I couldn't afford to do that. Can I assure you this today? When God calls you and, and there's all these worries and you say, I can't afford it, I can't do that, I can't. You cannot afford not to. You cannot afford not to answer God's call. Whether it's, the mo- maybe it's so insignificant. Maybe it seems so small. Maybe it's just inviting someone to church. Maybe it's something mid-massive. Whatever it is, you cannot afford not to answer that call. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to share, to share about the helm. We just believe, God, that's going to be a, a, a conduit for, for, for new life and restoration in people's families here in, in Halifax and Nova Scotia and the Maritimes and beyond, God. We pray, God, that you'll be pulling on people's hearts to, to be a part of what's happening there. We pray, God, that you, you bring everything we need for that. But more than that, God, we pray for each person in this place today. We pray, God, that we'd be men and women who wouldn't just walk out of here and, uh, and just say, oh, good, you know, that was, that was a nice story. We'd be men and women who'd walk out of here and say, I'm, I'm done with excuses. God, here I am. Your will be done, not mine. Because that's what changes the world. Help us lay down self and say, it's all for you, God. Amen. Thank you guys for letting us share. Amen. Amen.